Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Oh, welcome to Papercut. Norwegian Wood, 1987. Written by Haruki Murakami, the story is about our protagonist, Toru Watanabe, as he reminisces about his formative university years. Namely, he focuses on his relationships with two vastly different women, a future playboy politician and his socially challenged roommate, who Toru occasionally makes fun of. So some of you might be asking, does this have anything to do with the Beatles song of the same name? Well, yes. In fact, the book is named after the song. In the very beginning, an older and more thoughtful Toru hears this song, and it transports him back into his university days. Now, Toru tells the story in retrospect, and sometimes he adds commentary to his memories, be it newfound observations or regrets he can't really shake off, even now. Just like a quick uh, first impression after you, after your description, I feel like this book is more a, a hindsight thing, right? It's it's written in hindsight. Is is that correct to say? Yes, it it's written in complete hindsight with these kinds of questions. Like the question is how how is it split? Is it mainly in the memory or is it you know a fifty fifty yeah. split? Uh, this book I would say is ninety nine percent in the memory. Besides the beginning, the very beginning. Uh, occasionally, he would hop back into the present moment, just to say, "Oh yes, oh, you know, I was thinking about this moment in my comfy chair. It's bringing back these memories," and you're straight back into the m- memory again. So it never feels disjointed or anything like that. So it's it's it's, it's a bit like he's uh, he's on a trip, you know. He 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 goes back to to reminiscence about his uh, like university years, and he comes back to the. Well, he comes back to the present, like now and then, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's actually really interesting that you say use the word trip as well, because throughout the book we see the motif of the just being on trains or being on a plane and being transported back in time, forwards in time, looking at different dates. But that's not necessarily the one thing I wanted to focus on today. In fact, the book's got a lot of themes going、mm. for it. And the very title Norwegian Wood is more than just a song or a title in the book. I won't go further because we we will enter spoiler territory if we went there.、Um, other themes of like love, sex, and nostalgia—they all play a part in the story. But for me, the overriding connector of all these themes is well, it's quite dark. It's it's death and suicide. So how does death come in? Because like so far, what I know about this book is just、um, he, well, he he just thinks about his university years. And his relationship with、um, well, those two women that、mm-hmm. were his、uh, well, his girlfriends, right?、Mm-hmm. So, where, where where does the death come in here? The subject of death actually comes up at very sporadic intervals throughout the book.、Uh, you could be casually reading a section, and boom, a character is dead. It's like turning the page and getting slapped in the face. And I, it's a bit of a spoiler, but it happens really early on in the book, and it sort of sets the whole plot in motion. But we find out very early on that his best friend at that point in time was dating this other girl, who would eventually become Toru's first girlfriend. His best friend killed himself in the very beginning, and that sort of leaves a hole in both their lives. We see this come back time and time again to haunt both of them. It's a subject they never really. Shake off. Murakami himself, I think, dabbles a little on the concept of death, but then he redirects his focus on the effects it has on the people who have been left behind. Like some people become very scornful, some become very anxious and even depressed. More interesting, however, is I think 
is the way it affects dialogue and relationships between certain characters. So it's always as though there's like an overriding mist uh, surrounding this conversation, a sort of dark zone that you don't enter, or a sort of dead weight that that seems to be dampening every conversation that's happening. So some characters decide to like never speak about these deaths. Some characters embrace the very notion of death and say, yeah, fuck it, whatever. And some come to terms with it far faster than you expect. They move on and they just never look back. Interesting, okay. I'm guessing like in terms of um, the main character and the unfortunate girl whose boyfriend died. Yeah. They are, as you said, left a hole in both their in both of their lives, and so yes. they're trying to fill that void with each other, and that's kind of why they got together after his death. Very good. I mean, that's very good to tell. Uh, you're a detective, Eugene. Yeah, <laughs> don't know how you got there, but something like that. There, you're right in saying that there is a void, um, and to some extent, they did use each other to sort of fill that void. But we don't see it filling that relationship in the way uh, they both hoped it panned out. You know, you expect that sort of shared pain to bring them together. But instead, that death strains that relationship. And it sometimes hinders the formation of new ones. It, it doesn't really work when you base your entire relationship in something as saddening as a death, right? It's like yeah. you kind of keep getting reminded of it when you see the other person. But anyway, back to like, um, you know, I think you mentioned ways of coping uh, with the death as well with the different characters. So just just, just want to like quick fire, mm. you know, were there any were there any like coping mechanisms that you felt was like kind of weird with like some of the characters did that you were like, oh, okay, like you did that? I would say some of it felt a bit dramatic in that, okay, this person might get depressed or they might get anxious, but Murakami might somehow go further and say this person descended into madness. So it's a bit exaggerated, a bit dramatized, but that might be the effect he was trying to produce in in these memories. Some people, they just joke about it, laugh about it, and just skirt around the topic, never really going into it. And that is one way for them to cope, mm-hmm. or it really shows that they are over it, and that's how they just want to move on with their lives. Um, no judgment there from Murakami's part. He doesn't say whether or not that's good or bad. And some people are just stone-hearted and cold in that they just don't care. The moment someone dies and they're just like, oh, that happened, okay, let's move on. Um, realistic, right? It's it's also realistic in certain ways. Um, it's overly dramatized in a lot of other ways as well. I do think that these memories that are coming back they are meant to be dramatized. So that casts some doubt on the reliability of the the narrator, but we might come back into that later. And we see on the subject of sort of coping mechanisms, like we see that our main character, Toru, we see that he's presented with several opportunities to escape this pain. So be it through drinking excessively or sleeping around, but he realizes he's not getting any joy from this. Towards the end, he opts instead to pursue healthier alternatives. So instead of just sleeping around, he pursues, tries to pursue deeper, meaningful relationships with uh, people that he wants to spend time with. You know, when you finish reading the book, it's obvious, it seems obvious where the source of all this tension comes from. And at its core, I feel the narrative is, is a reflection not on death, but on life and the losses we will inevitably encounter. 
Well, I was going to ask what the source of tension was, but um, given that I'm planning to read this book, I'm going to leave that question to myself and answer it myself when I do come to it. <laughs> but actually, I do have another question because, you, you know, you, you, you do say that Toru, he eventually uh, pursues healthy alternatives than just, well, sleeping around and smoking excessively and, and drinking, drinking excessively, excessively yep. that kind of stuff. So, so do you think he's gone over it, like, by the time he um, narrates the book, so like in in the book, mm. in the way he narrates things, yeah, is there like a kind of a resentment to his memories, or is is more like he's acknowledging the stuff that he's done and he's saying, okay, but I'm a better man now. Right. When he narrates this book, he's far older. He's like in his late thirties at this point. When the events of the book take place in his early twenties. So he, it's a lot of time has passed. The impacts have all been shown already. I, w- I think that Toru presents himself as a stoic eyepiece uh, through it, which we capture a sliver of the tumult that was his youth. He often can come across as overly logical sometimes as he reminisces. And people call him out on this, actually, even when he was younger. So uh, perhaps, you know, this sort of analyzing sort of thing lends credibility to his reliability as an author. But... As to whether or not he has really come to terms with it, personally, I think he's come to terms with a lot of things that have happened in his life. But, you know, it's it's a memory, and sometimes some memories can get triggered. They just come back from nowhere. You just think about them. You linger about them. I think that every time he looks back, he sort of remembers a few different aspects, and it sort of gives him a newfound perspective on things. So... He's moved on. He can still look back on it and gather things from it. Because I think throughout, he's re- he's looked through these events and remembered them repeatedly already. So he's lived through them again and again. I guess and, it's like yeah. reading the same book twice and finding new stuff in it the second read-through. Yeah, that stuff, right? That's exactly the yeah. feeling. Because the stuff is all there. It's, it's about what you necessarily focus on. And this time around, when he he looks back at it he's a lot more mature and he's thinking much harder about what's important in these stories and presenting it like that as to whether or not he's a reliable narrator i don't think toru is a mary sue protagonist mm. but i think he's a he's a flawed soul you know just trying to get by with the hand he was dealt right mm. okay um i think i'll give this book a nine out of ten it is very overly sentimental it is very sappy i'll say it that much uh the original book was written in japanese i've I've, and i've been told the original book was written in japanese and i've been told uh that some of the meaning actually gets lost in translation especially to the english version so nevertheless like the book is the book's simplistic form it never retracts from murakami's masterful storytelling it's quite similar to books such as uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower in the way it portrays love and lust through raw and naive eyes, I'd say. Young eyes. One of the beauties of like Norwegian wood is the way it transcends culture. For example, like Perks of Being a Wallflower operates on the backdrop of an American high school. Norwegian wood could be told in any university anywhere in the world. And I didn't feel personally that my lack of Japanese... Uh, knowledge or my lack of knowledge of Japanese culture hindered the reading experience, nor did I feel like I was failing to appreciate any cultural subtext underneath it. 
it's a book I think I'll be revisiting soon and I hope that I'll find something different the next time I read it around and Eugene and I hope when you start reading it you enjoy as much as I did oh yeah definitely <laughs> come round to it when we come round to it if you like what we do follow us on Spotify or in any of your other preferred streaming sites if you want to leave us a comment or let us know what you think you can email us at papercut.dust at gmail.com or Instagram at papercut.cast no caps or Twitter at papercutpodcast one word no caps look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode until then I'm Nick and I'm Eugene peace out